the game is over. Your Bucks postgame show starts now. Welcome to Bucks Talk. Insight, analysis, and your chance to sound off on the game you just heard. Now to break it all down, here's your host, Justin Garcia. Well, another strong defensive outing tonight for the Bucks, who hold an opponent below 100 points for the second consecutive game, something they haven't done for nearly three years. It dates back to the 2020-2021 season, and they do that. Granted, one of them was against the Charlotte Hornets, who were entering that game on Friday night extremely shorthanded with a number of players unavailable due to injuries and trades that were pending. But tonight it was a different story. You played a relatively full-strength Denver Nuggets team, though that would shift right around halftime. And this defense looked very, very impressive in doing that. Second consecutive game against Denver where their game plan was to make Nikola Jokic work for his offense. And again, the dangers that Nikola Jokic presents really are amplified as a passer. When you think about some of those cuts to the basket, players constantly moving, the stress that that puts on a defense to have to stay connected and constantly finding where your man is with some of those secondary actions that the Denver Nuggets can run, the Bucks' strategy here was clear, and that was make Nikola Jokic the center of the offense in terms of scoring the basketball. Scored 25 points on 25 shots in that first game two weeks ago between these two teams. By the way, the first game that Doc Rivers was on the sidelines as the head coach of the Bucks, and tonight a very, very similar story, but it seemed much more amplified from the start. 29 points for Nikola Jokic on 25 shots. So in these two games, he has scored 54 points against the Bucks, but has needed 50 shots to get there. That, to me, was one of the bigger stories and what stood out most about this performance tonight by this Bucks defense. That and the fact that Nikola Jokic attempted 12 field goals in the first quarter of this game. That is the second most Nikola Jokic has attempted in a single quarter in his NBA career. So the strategy was simple from the start, and the Bucks executed that, taking basically everybody else out. When you look at the starters for the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic had a big first half with 23 points, but their other starters combined for seven points. That helped the Bucks build up that 16-point lead and eventually win this one by 17. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight. On Bucks Talk, another strong outing from this Bucks defense. We can talk a bit about the offense. It looked much better tonight, and that's some of the challenges from this game. Pointed to a lot of the numbers that we saw through three quarters, and that's simply because you did see the regulars for about six minutes in the fourth quarter, but we did also see a lot of things start to go in the other direction when both teams went to the bench. But all told... Another strong defensive performance to hold a Denver Nuggets team with Nikola Jokic on the court, with Jamal Murray out there for at least half of the game. Same for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. To hold them below 100 points shows you the growth that this defense has continued to display for two-plus weeks now. Since that coaching change, they're now 5-6 and six are the Bucks, and seven of those 11 games are against teams in the top 10 
of net rating across the league. So it has been a very, very tough schedule that they have played, and we've seen the defensive numbers continue to climb the charts. We'll give you an update on where the Bucks currently sit in games since January 24th when that coaching change was official in just a moment, but plenty of time to hear from you as well. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head to the phone lines and kick things off with Will I Am. What's going on tonight, Will? Justin, Justin, I know you can't hear it, but I'm clapping my hands, man. So proud of our team with another defensive-minded first, impressive win. I am so proud that our team has bought in, as it seems to be, because when you see that transition and those hustles on the defense and the ability to rotate over and a little bit more pep in their step, Justin, ooh, that made me feel good. Also made me feel good knowing that we made Jamal Murray head to the bench early. Now, I wasn't sure if he had an injury or something, but when I saw the stat you just mentioned about the 12 shots from the Joker in the first quarter, wondering where Murray went, and when he was nowhere to be found, we sent those floodgates open, Justin. It's what we've been needing. And to respond with Giannis playing as he should be considered an MVP, and out showing the Joker, I'm so happy, man. I've wanted this since, you know, the changing of the rounds of the coaching. But for them to be that aggressive on the defensive side, you were saying 85% or so higher. I need more of that, Justin. I'm liking what I'm seeing, man. Yeah, and, you know, that, that Jamal Murray piece, Doc talked about it a little bit after the game, and I we mentioned it a couple of times. With A.J. Green specifically, a big piece of it was how the Bucks were navigating screens that, you know, as Doc Rivers said, we were kind of dying on picks in that game against the Nuggets. We showed the guys footage of it in terms of the open shots that it was creating for not just Jamal Murray, but specifically Jamal Murray in that game two weeks ago. We also showed him footage of the way we did it against the Charlotte Hornets, and granted, a much different caliber opponent. But the way we did that against the Charlotte Hornets, where we were fighting our way through screens, we were contesting shots, and it took away a lot of those shots that Jamal Murray prides himself on making. And I think that was a big part of what you saw defensively tonight from this Bucks team. A.J. Green had a couple of sequences in that second quarter where he was incredibly impressive, fighting through those screens, getting a hand up and contesting some shots against Jamal Murray. Two of those possessions led to a turnover where, again, you're able to utilize Giannis as the help defender to come over. And that, to me, is one of the bigger things that, that we did not see from this Bucks team earlier in the season is, you know, it, it's been well documented, and we've talked about it a number of times, but the way things were set up, you weren't really able to use Giannis as that ultimate help defender. As Doc Rivers said, the free safety. You weren't able to use him in that sense because he was taking on some of those perimeter challenges. And the way this defense was set up, guys were further away from the basket. It didn't give you two rim protectors in Giannis and Brooke Lopez. It basically just gave you Brooke. And when Brooke Lopez was stepping up to contest shots, there was no help around the basket, and that's the time when we saw those second-chance points, offensive rebounds, and points in the paint really skyrocket for the Bucks' opponents. All of that has gone down drastically for this Bucks team and for this defense, and I think it's really a matter of Doc Rivers, as he said from the start, when he came in here asking the guys, what is your identity, and not getting that answer. 
developing what the identity is of this team, and really it starts with the defense. When you think about guys like Giannis, I know he hasn't played tonight or the last few games, but Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis as well, guys that are associated with that defensive identity of the Bucks. Getting back to that, but really grabbing some of that low-hanging fruit and seeing, look, if we just take care of some of these things, we can work on installing new things, we can work on new defensive sets and all of that, I don't want to bombard the guys. Doc keeps going back to that line from Don Shula. We'll pass that along in a minute. But I don't want to install too much too early. If we can just grab this low-hanging fruit, it is going to take us from the bottom five to at least the middle of the pack defensively. And what we've seen in these 11 games, that has been backed up. You've cleaned up. I won't say fixed, but you've cleaned up your your transition defense. You've done much better job on the glass and that, in turn, has raised this defense quite a bit. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. I mentioned those numbers. Defensive efficiency continues to rise for this Bucks team. Where they rank in the last 11 games, has it made enough of a dent for their full season numbers? We'll share those after this on Bucks Talk. Seventeen point win tonight for the Bucks who knock off the defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets inside a five serve forum one twelve to ninety five, a game where the Bucks held the Nuggets to forty four points at the half. And again, that was a half where Denver was essentially full strength. Cantavius Caldwell Pope was listed as questionable on the injury report. He played, he started, did not play in the second half, though, neither did Jamal Murray. But still, the Bucks hold an opponent under 100 points. For the second consecutive game, it is the first time since 2021 that the Bucks have done that. And this defense continues to show major signs of improvement. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Uh, so speaking of those defensive numbers, for the season as a whole, Bucks still currently sit with the 17th best defense in the league, a 115.8 defensive rating, number 17 in the league. But at the time that this coaching change was made, prior to Joe Prunty coaching the first of his three games as the interim coach of the Bucks, Bucks had the 22nd rated defense in the league. So you've already moved up five slots. But now they're starting to enter that uh, neighborhood of a, uh, a handful of other teams, a heavy, heavily congested area where the Bucks have a 115.8 defensive rating. The Chicago Bulls are 16th with a 115 defensive rating. Phoenix Suns are 15th with a 114.8 defensive rating. Same for the Lakers. So you are a point per 100 possessions away from being a top 15 defense season as a whole and again it's a little complicated how you view the defense going forward there have been some massive changes there have been some shifts in how the bucks are playing we just went through some of them and how they've cleaned up a lot of these areas we'll get back into that in just a moment but if you just look at the game since january 24th 11 games now that the bucks have played and again we can go over the sample size argument in terms of how much do you need is 11 games the be all end all no it's enough, 
It's not everything to base an opinion around, but we're starting to see the trends here for this Bucks team. And in those 11 games, so again, three of those were with Joe Prunty as your interim head coach, eight now with Doc Rivers as the head coach of the Bucks. A couple of things stand out about this Bucks team. The offensive rating has taken a bit of a drop, 115.1 in those 11 games played. That is good enough for 17th in the NBA. Now, before we do get to the defense, because I've seen a lot of people start to poke apart, well, yeah, the defense looks better, but why are we not discussing what the offense looks like? Number one, the offense looked fine tonight, I I would say. But also, in those 11 games, six of them, for all intents and purposes, six have been without Chris Middleton. Three of those games were without Brooke Lopez. Two of those games were without Damian Lillard. One of those games was without all three of those players. So the Bucks have been dealt not the greatest hand here. They've been playing shorthanded on the offensive end. That is worth pointing out. They've played some very good defenses as well. Two of those games against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have been, if not the best, one of the best two or three defenses in the league the whole season, but especially during that stretch. Another one of those games was against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are in the same category as the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they've had some less-than-challenging defenses when you look at the Dallas Mavericks, the Utah Jazz, and the Portland Trailblazers. But the majority of their, their games have been against defenses that are close to the top ten, and in the case of the Cavs and the Minnesota Timberwolves, elite defenses that the Bucks have seen in that stretch of games. So that's a big part of it as well. We look at where the offense currently sits. But... In these 11 games, the Bucks now have a 111.9 defensive rating. Basically four points per 100 possessions better than their season average. 111.9, it is tied with the New Orleans Pelicans for the fifth best defense in the league. In the 11 games the Bucks have played since making a change at the head coach position. And look... Most of this list, when you examine the top 10, it's teams that make sense. So it isn't just a matter of, well, this is an 11-game sample size where we saw a lot of strange things happen. Since January 24th, the best defense in the league is the Minnesota Timberwolves, 107 even. The number two defense is the Cleveland Cavaliers at a 109. The Golden State Warriors are number three. Now, they've They've gone with a couple of different looks, as we've seen more Jonathan Kaminga playing, and that in turn has sparked their defense. But that's one of those defenses that would jump out and make you question what is happening here. Orlando Magic, who have been one of the best defenses in the league, seasoned as a whole. They're fourth best during that stretch. Pelicans, as we mentioned, tied with the Bucks for fifth. And rounding out the top ten again, very solid defensive units in the Houston Rockets, the Boston Celtics, Phoenix Suns, who, as we've seen, very similar to the Bucks, when they're healthy, when they have their guys on the floor, they're playing very, very well. And the Suns are up there as the ninth-best defense. The Oklahoma City Thunder are number 10. That is the company the Bucks have been in since this coaching change. And again, this is not just a matter of the Bucks beating up on inferior opponents. Sure, you had that with the Charlotte Hornets. 
You figure to have it again on Thursday with the Memphis Grizzlies. Who knows who you're going to see on the floor tomorrow for the Miami Heat. Again, no Jimmy Butler, no Terry Rozier, uh, no Josh Richardson, potentially no Duncan Robinson either in that game. But two games against the Cavaliers, a game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, one more game against the Minnesota Timberwolves immediately after the All-Star break, two games against the Denver Nuggets, a game against the Phoenix Suns, a game against the Dallas Mavericks as well, and you talk about offense. This has been an incredibly difficult stretch that the Bucks have been facing here for these last two and a half to three weeks, and they have a 5-6 and six record, essentially 500, and one of the five best defenses in the league against some increased competition. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll get to more of your thoughts after this. Big win tonight for the Bucks, knocking off the defending champion Denver Nuggets. 112 to 95 here at Fiserv Forum. And again, another strong showing from this Bucks defense. Now fifth best in the league since January 24th. Uh, the first game, first of three with Joe Prunty as the interim head coach. The next eight games will be coached by Doc Rivers. But to this defense, much, much improved in these last 11 games. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head back to the phone lines and check in with James on the south side. What's going on tonight, James? Well, nice nice wins back-to-back of, of our playing defense there and everything else. Are we going to be playing any more back-to-backs after the All-Star game and what kind of schedule is it going to be uh, in those remaining games? Uh, port, um, how hard is that going to be uh, for us in, the, in those last 20-plus games? So in terms of their, their second-half schedule, um, it's still very challenging. So just looking at everything that they have left now, 28 games remaining, it is the fourth most difficult schedule in the league. And... I would imagine post-All-Star break, that is going to jump up to maybe third, maybe even higher, because you're going to take out two inferior opponents. One lesser extent, the Miami Heat, who, again, around a 500 team, they're going to be dealing with a number of players out and injuries tomorrow. But you got the Memphis Grizzlies as your final game, and that was one of the easier games the Bucks have left on your schedule on their schedule. When you look at the number of those easier opponents they have left, they're going to get through a lot of those at the end of this month with the uh, one of two that they have left against the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday. Their final two games against the Charlotte Hornets both come before the end of February. And then you still have a game with the Hawks, the Nets, and the uh, Wizards early into March. So um, that schedule right now, it's the fourth most difficult remaining schedule. It's probably going to go up after that, given the final two games they have. So it's going to be one of the the three or four, maybe even higher, difficult schedules remaining uh, in the league. And, and look, we knew that was going to be the case. I think we spent a lot of time earlier in the season talking about the second-half schedule, specifically that final month where a lot of those challenges pop up for this Bucks team. I don't think we paid nearly enough attention to that stretch at the end of January, and what the Bucks have currently been going through. 
Um, but as difficult as that has been, it it gets even more difficult if that is possible in March. You, you open up the second-half schedule on the road with a road trip that takes you to Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves. Then you're in Philadelphia to take on the Sixers. We know Joel Embiid is not going to be playing uh, in that game, but Tyrese Maxey has recently returned. The Sixers have added Kyle Lowry on the buyout market. Of course, they added campaign as well, which should make for an interesting matchup. And Buddy Heal, they got at the trade deadline. So they did add some more shooting. Then you have those two games with the Charlotte Hornets and a game in Chicago. So one more back-to-back, essentially right out of the gates, the uh, end of February into March, the 29th and the 1st. You got, um, I believe, two more back-to-backs after that in the month of March, and then two more as well in um, April. So I believe the Bucks have four back-to-backs left in this second-half schedule. But it's it's really that midpoint of March until the end of the season, essentially, that things, again, pick up similar to what you're seeing in this stretch right now, where after that's a back-to-back that we just referenced, where you close out the uh, the month of February in Charlotte against the Hornets, then you go to Chicago to take on the Bulls. After that, you come home for a game against the Clippers. Then you have your second West Coast road trip of the season in San Francisco against the Warriors, who I mentioned have been playing better, in Los Angeles against the Lakers, in Los Angeles against the Clippers for an afternoon game. Then you wrap things up in Sacramento against the Kings. After that, so we're talking mid-March, you have a home game against the 76ers. Joel Embiid was said to be reevaluated in four weeks. Two weeks ago, that would line up for you could potentially see Joel Embiid in that game on March 14th. Then the Phoenix Suns come to town. Then you go to Boston to play the Celtics. Then you have one of those remaining back-to-backs with the Brooklyn Nets coming here. Then the Oklahoma City Thunder come to Fiserv Forum. Then it's a game against the Lakers, and you wrap up the month on the road in New Orleans and in Atlanta. So a lot of challenging games still left for the Bucks here. And I, I think the solace that you would take is when you look at the last week of the season, this isn't a spot that the Bucks have typically been in. They've usually been on the other end of this. What I'm about to say here, you got a big game, potentially big game, left with the New York Knicks, who you have won the season series against by way of your 3-1 and record. But that game could go a long way in deciding who's a three-seed, who's a four-seed, who's even a two-seed in the Eastern Conference. It is your fourth-to-last game of the season. Then you have a game against the Boston Celtics. And I mention this because... That game, you have three games left after it, so that's your fourth to last. But the Celtics currently lead the conference by five games in the loss column. There's a very real chance that the Boston Celtics end up winning the East by five, six, seven, or more games. To have the Celtics, to have the Oklahoma City Thunder, who also could be in a similar spot late on your schedule, those are areas that the Bucks have typically been on the other end of. The Bucks have been that team in seasons past that's already locked up what they need, and we see the Bucks resting guys. That could be what you're facing in two of those games to wrap up the season, which may be huge when you think about how tightly contested right now two through four and potentially two through five is in the East. But uh, to answer your overall question, James, 
four, I believe, four back-to-backs that they have left in the second half of this season and a very, very challenging schedule that's left for the Bucks. It, it Really, when you look at the way it broke out for them, they had pockets of difficulty. They're going through one of them right now. they got another one in mid-March, and they're going to have another one potentially early April in that second-to-last season, second-to-last week of the regular season. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. But I mention all that because, as we said, you did get a lot of help tonight. You saw the Cleveland Cavaliers' nine-game win streak come to an end. So Cleveland now has the same amount of wins as you, two fewer losses. So you're a game back of the Cavs in the standings, but you're two games back in the loss column, and you have split the season series with the Cavaliers. But it's big to see Cleveland lose and that nine-game win streak come to an end. And the New York Knicks also lose, which, again, important to try to build up some of that separation and give yourself some room to work with with this challenging schedule because I'm going to say it again finishing third is really imperative for anybody when you look at this conference if you can avoid the Boston Celtics in the second round and even more importantly it does seem as though with the injury status of Joel Embiid with the way that their schedule and their recent play has gone, it does seem incredibly likely the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be the five seed. Right now, Philly is tied in the loss column with the Knicks, Um, but they're a half game back of the Knicks. The Knicks are also dealing with some injuries, but they have more reinforcements on the way. Philadelphia is waiting for Joel Embiid. If Philadelphia stays locked into that five seed, and they're still three up in the loss column on the sixth-seeded Magic, That's a very, very dangerous opponent for whoever gets the four seed. And it compounds things when you think about the draw. If you're the four seed and you have the 76ers in the first round with a chance of Joel Embiid either having recently returned or just returning for the postseason, if you get through that, your reward is in all likelihood the top-seeded Boston Celtics. If you get through that... Then your reward is whoever comes out of the other half of the bracket, either the Cavs, maybe the Bucks, the New York Knicks, depending on how this breaks out. So avoiding that four seed is huge. If you can stay in that three seed, to me it doesn't matter, two or three. I understand the discussion over home court. Again, Bucks won the championship in 2021 as a three seed. They had to go on the road, and they had to beat the Brooklyn Nets in game seven. Sometimes you got to go through that path. But avoiding the four seed is what is most critical, and that's what makes wins like tonight and nights like tonight when you get help from the Cavaliers and from the Knicks huge for the Bucks. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. I mentioned this Miami Heat team. We'll take a closer look at them as uh, this is a banged-up Miami Heat team, a dangerous Miami Heat team but a Miami Heat team that has looked much different than the version that came through here as a buzzsaw a season ago, ending the Bucks season as an eight seed in the playoffs. We'll preview the matchup after this on Bucks Talk. 112-95 final tonight at Pfizer for a Bucks defense holds an opponent below 100 points for the second consecutive game. First time they have done that in three years. 2021, you got to go back to since the Bucks defense was clicking at that level and clicking 
is the word I would use to describe this defensive unit for the last 11 games, tied with the New Orleans Pelicans for the fifth-best defense in the NBA during that stretch. And we mentioned it hasn't been against a lack of challenging opponents. The Bucks have faced one of the most, if not the most, difficult schedule during this stretch. The four factors are what a lot of coaches will point to when you want to examine how good is our team. What are we really excelling at? There are four key factors to winning a basketball game. Those are effective field goal percentage. In other words, how efficient your shots are. Turnover percentage. So on offense, how infrequently, hopefully, are you turning the ball over? defensively how frequently are you turning the ball over your offensive rebounding percentage that'll lead to second chance opportunities and conversely defensively if your opponent offensive rebounding percentage is good or is bad it means your defensive rebounding rate is good lastly the fourth of those factors is free throw rate so offensively how frequently are you getting to the free throw line defensively hopefully you're not putting your opponent at the line all that often for the Bucks during this 11 game span a lot of their offensive numbers for those four factors are somewhere around the middle of the pack around the top 10 they have the 11th best effective field goal percentage just over 57 percent they have the ninth best turnover rate 12 percent of their possessions have resulted in a turnover they're 26th in offensive rebounding but I think a big part of that is what we've touched on with the transition defense. It has been improved because guys have been getting back on the defensive end. If you do that, your offensive rebounding numbers typically come down. As you do one or the other. Either you crash the offensive glass and say, we'll live with whatever happens in transition, or you get back in transition and say, maybe one guy will give the freedom to crash those offensive boards. Otherwise, everybody's getting back on defense. The Bucks have seemingly shifted to the ladder under Doc Rivers. Not at all different from what we saw for most of the five years under Mike Budenholzer as well. And free throw rate, as you would expect from a team with Giannis and Damian Lillard, you would honestly expect a little more, but the Bucks are number 12 in the frequency of getting to the free throw line. 19% of their possessions have resulted in free throw attempts. What struck me more, or what stands out the most, I should say, is where they rank in those numbers, the four factors, on the defensive side of the floor. And again, that that phrase of low-hanging fruit that everybody loves, these are the areas where the Bucks have taken advantage. They are contesting shots. We heard some of that from Doc Rivers earlier tonight. They're fighting through screens, they're protecting the rim, and they're getting out on the three-point line a lot more. As Doc Rivers said, when you do that, you're not going to give up a whole lot of uncontested shots. You can live with the opponent making tough shots and shots with a hand in their face. That's what this defense has been bringing on that end of the floor. 54.8 effective field goal percentage for Bucks opponents. 3% worse than what the Bucks are doing. That is 10th best in terms of defensive efficiency in the league during those 11 games since the coaching change. Turnover rate. The Bucks were dead last up until January 23rd, forcing the fewest amount of turnovers or possessions that resulted in a turnover on defense. They have gone from 30th to 14th now in these 11 games played. 
and defensive rebounding rate. So conversely, the opponent's offensive rebounding rate, again, up until January 23rd, the Bucks were 18th in that number. Seventh best in these 11 games now with a defensive rebounding rate at around 76%, which looking at the season as a whole number, 76% would be number one in the league, and tonight it was above 80%. They're also not putting the opponent at the line as much as they were earlier in the season right in the middle of the pack. So they have really looked at the areas and said, look, where can we make the most immediate impact and they're doing that. But as Doc Rivers said and brought it up again after the game tonight, there's some other things that they continue to work on. We'll share what those other things are. And again, take a look at that Miami Heat opponent after this on Bucks Talk. 112 to 95, final tonight at Five Serve Forum. Bucks take down the Denver Nuggets. And uh, it wasn't a wire to wire win. But it was pretty close as there was one charge in the first quarter from the Nuggets, but the Bucks really would not look back from there. They led this game by as many as 28 points. Denver's largest lead was three, and that came early in the first quarter. And the Bucks, with an impressive win, two straight games holding an opponent below 100 points, and we continue to see those defensive numbers climb under Doc Rivers, and for three games under Joe Prunty as well. So if we look at games played for the entire season against teams that are in the top 10 in net rating, uh, the Bucks' season as a whole in those games have the seventh-best offense in the league at a 118.1, and they have the fifth-best defense in the NBA for the entire season. Again, a lot of those games have come recently for the Bucks, really in the last two weeks. But in those 16 games, the Bucks have played against teams in the top 10 in net rating. They are 9-7. and seven. They have won more than they've lost against the best teams in the league with an offense that's in the top 10 and a defense that's in the top 5. 7 in offensive rating, first in effective field goal percentage, seventh in offensive turnover rate for the Bucks in those four factors, and defensively, fifth best defense, fourth best in opponent field goal percentage, third best in defensive rebounding, and sixth best in how infrequently they are putting their opponents at the line. So if you're in that category that thinks, look, as long as this group is healthy, as long as they continue to make some strides here, and especially for the last two weeks, as we've seen all of those changes we documented on defense, the areas the Bucks have cleaned up, transition, rebounding, forcing turnovers, protecting the ball, scoring off of those turnovers, those are the major ones. With those changes, when we see this team healthy, and again, you keep pointing back to the Bucks' ratings, when Giannis, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez are all on the floor, that's what gives you that faith and that feeling of, look, they're going to be there. I understand it's a bumpy road, but I think we've seen enough from this group. We've seen them win in the biggest moments, and we've seen a little bit of it on paper and, and on film this season that when that group's together, when they're healthy, I trust what we're seeing from this team. Those numbers back it up. Nine and seven may not jump off the page. 
not a whole lot of teams have a better record than the Bucks do against those teams. The teams that do are the Boston Celtics and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder are 12 and 6 in those games against top 10 teams. The Celtics are 10 and 5. Other than that, Bucks are 9 and 7. That is a better record than the Minnesota Timberwolves, the co-leaders in the Western Conference. It is a better record than the Denver Nuggets, who are 8 and 9. They're in a very, very elite company. 76ers are below 500 in those games. The Cavaliers are 4-7. and seven. So the Bucks, those numbers back up all of that. The Phoenix Suns, by the way, 3-6. and six. Bucks have the third-best record against those opponents in the league this season. And again, those numbers jump off the page. That is not just looking at January 24th. That is season as a whole. How have you performed against the toughest competition, the toughest competition, the types of teams you're going to have to go through in the postseason, as we just mentioned, the potential paths for this team? Third best team in the league in terms of their win percentage in those games with an efficient offense, seventh best, and an elite defense, believe it or not, fifth best against those tough opponents. And we continue to see it more consistently now for these last two weeks. Again, those numbers since January 24th only, where those numbers continue to be eye-popping for the Bucks. Uh, as Doc Rivers said, and I, I think those are your big takeaways, is you know we've heard Doc preach defense ever since he came here. And again tonight, that's what we heard the most about. The other night against the Charlotte Hornets, we heard him talking about Malik Beasley saying, you know, I, I told him, you do some of these things that I don't think you need to do. Doc referenced the amount of times he had the ball in his hands and bringing the ball up the floor. We don't need that. Get to your spots. Be a catch-and-shoot guy and trust that if you get to your spots, your teammates are going to find you. That's what we've seen the last couple of games, and we've seen more big shooting performances from Malik Beasley. But Doc continues to hammer the defense and how much they work on it. As he said, about 70% of their work in practice has been working on defense, but more importantly, just clarifying things. What you need to do, where you need to be. And that Don Shula quote, as Doc said, you know, Don Shula put in his book, the fastest player is always the one that doesn't have to think. The more we can get out of our own way, the more our guys know exactly what they're doing, they can pull at full speed, and that's what we're trying to do. Simplify so we can play with fire. And I think, again, dating back to January 23rd, You've seen this slow build where on the eye test, it's uh, the defense looked better. You go back to that first game against the Denver Nuggets, and you thought, you know, we lost the game. You put yourself in a spot to win it. You started the game very good. Fourth quarter is where you ran into some of those issues in the half court. The Nuggets with some screen setting, some big shots from Jamal Murray. It just went south. But you continued to build on it and have continued to do so, and now you're seeing more and more of what we've seen in these last two games Two opponents, two consecutive opponents being held under 100 points. We'll see if they can get that to three tomorrow against the Miami Heat. We'll mention it again. No Jimmy Butler, no Terry Rozier in that game. So a shorthanded Miami Heat team. 7 o'clock tip-off tomorrow. 6.30 is when our pregame coverage begins. And as always, be sure to tune around, tune in after the game for Bucks Talk. We'll talk to you then.